Despite having been born at a time when being a female and an aspiring novelist weren't factors encouraged to coexist, Mary Shelley still could not have known how difficult the road to publish her debut novel would be. It was with great resilience and a strong will that she would keep going, even when it proved to be a near-impossible struggle. But she didn't give up, and the novel in question would become her most famous work and expand the world of horror beyond measure. At the time she sat down to write the novel, at age 18, she had already experienced poverty and hardships. She was disavowed by her father and unfortunately had already felt the harrowing agony of death firsthand. Troubled by her past as well as her present, she experienced nightmares that bordered on terrors. All these factors would be elemental in the story she would concoct. Just like the monster in her story was put together by various limbs from various dead men, her tale would be put together by various experiences she had endured, experiences she needed to work through and process. You're listening to House of Words, a podcast about writers, authors, and the pain behind the words. I'm your host, Jason Nimore Hardin, and today we pay tribute to Mary Shelley and her book, Frankenstein originally titled The Modern Prometheus. Frankenstein was first published on January 1st, 1818, and as expected from a novel with such history, there are numerous synopses to choose from. This is one of many. Obsessed with creating life, Victor Frankenstein plunders graveyards for the material to fashion a new being, which he shocks into life with electricity. But his botched creature, rejected by Frankenstein and denied human companionship, sets out to destroy his maker and all that he holds dear. Beware, for I am fearless, and therefore powerful. End quote. In 1797, in Somerset Town, London, Mary Shelley was born Mary Wollstonecraft Godwin. She was born to two extraordinary parents, something that without a doubt shaped her personality as well as steered her in a particular direction. Her mother, Mary Wollstonecraft, was a feminist philosopher, educator, and writer who published the classic manifesto of sexual equality, a vindication of the rights of women. Mary was her mother's second child, but unfortunately, mother would succumb to pure peril fever shortly after Mary's birth. Her father, William Godwin, established his preeminence in the realm of radical British political thinking with his book, Inquiry Concerning Political Justice, and won a permanent place in literary history with his novel, Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams is often considered the first English detective novel. With such strong and opinionated parents, all signs pointed towards that Mary was destined to have a strong personality herself, and of course, would be inclined to write. 
A year after her mother's death, William Godwin published his book, Memoirs of the Author of A Vindication of the Rights of Woman, which he intended as a sincere and compassionate tribute to his late wife. However, because the memoirs revealed Wollstonecraft's affairs, as well as an illegitimate child, they were seen as shocking to the general public. Young Mary read these memoirs and her mother's books while growing up and would cherish her mother's memory. In 1801, when Mary was four, her father remarried, but it would not be a second mother for her. Quite the opposite, the only memory she would later recall of her stepmother would be ill in nature. To make matters worse, her father would get married yet again to Mary Jane Claremont, who brought her own children, Charles and Claire, into the household, causing young Mary to soon feel displaced. A son, William, would be born in 1803 and furthered her sense of alienation within the family. She felt driven to compete for her father's affection with her younger siblings, but also more importantly, when it came to her second stepmother. Contrary to this, based on the letters of her father's housekeeper and nurse, Louisa Jones, Mary's earliest years were happy ones. Also, according to Nurse Jones, the reason William Godwin found himself a new wife so promptly after his first wife's death was because he was often in debt and felt he was not able to raise the children by himself. Most of his friends disliked his new wife, describing her as quick-tempered and quarrelsome, but he was devoted to her, and the marriage proved a success. Although Mary and her stepmother would never warm up to one another, she and her stepsister Claire would form a solid bond and would become good friends, bordering on sisters over time. The stepmother, Miss Mary Jane, was herself an aspiring author, so Mr. Godwin decided to begin a publishing firm which specialized in children's books, stationery, maps, and games together with her. To make matters worse for young Mary, her father named the publishing house M.J. Godwin after his new wife, something that must have felt like a slight against Mary's mother and herself. The business endeavor was far from successful, however, and struggled to turn a profit. Due to this, William Godwin was forced to borrow substantial sums of money to keep the business and his family afloat. Despite all the troubles, in 1808, at the age of 11, Mary Wollstonecraft Godwin would publish her first writings, a rhymed children's tale called Monsieur Nongtongpa, or The Discoveries of John Bull in a Trip to Paris through her father's publishing house. Like most girls at the time, Mary received little formal education. Her father instead tutored her in a broad range of subjects. He often took the children on educational outings and granted them access to his vast library and to the many intellectuals who would visit him. William Godwin admitted that he was not educating the children according to his first wife's philosophy, as outlined in her works. His daughter, nevertheless, did receive an unusual and advanced education for a girl of the time period. She had a governess, a daily tutor, and read many of her father's children's books on Roman and Greek history in manuscript. Her father described Mary at age 15 as singularly bold, somewhat imperious, and active of mind. 
He expressed that Mary's desire for knowledge was great, and her perseverance in everything she undertook appeared to be near invincible. Feeling threatened by her stepdaughter, especially when adolescents transformed the child into a beautiful image of William's first wife, Mary Jane Godwin sent the teenaged Mary to Scotland on June 7, 1812, seemingly under the guise of it being for the girl's health. This further isolated her from the father she so dearly loved, the only true family she had left. The upside of being sent away was that the two years in Scotland nurtured young Mary's imagination. It was also in Scotland where she would meet her future husband, the poet Percy Shelley. They first met when she was 16 years old and he was 21. Percy was married at the time, but was looking to get out of the marriage which was, according to him, a bad one. While she was there, the pair would meet each other secretly in St. Pancras churchyard. It is claimed that Mary lost her virginity to Shelley in the cemetery. Although there is nothing to affirm this, it is most likely a part of the mythos surrounding the woman we now know as the Queen of Horror. The romantic affair would come to a temporary end when Mary was forced to return home again. Soon enough, however, Percy and Mary would reunite. He would follow Mary to London, and along with Mary's stepsister Claire, they moved into a lodging at Summers Town and later Nelson Square. They suddenly found themselves penniless. Having eloped with Percy Shelley, despite her father's disapproval, had its consequences. Most notably, William Godwin had turned his back on his daughter and refused to have anything to do with her or support her in any way. Percy, on his side, had been disavowed by his father as well and had to periodically leave their home in order to dodge creditors. Letters still exist from both Percy and Mary that reveal the pain felt from the occurrences of their separations during these turbulent times. Mary was both often pregnant and often ill in the following years, which was not eased by Percy Shelley's theory of free love. It appears as though Mary did not dismiss her husband's proclivity to having more sexual partners than one, but on the other hand, there is little evidence to support her full acceptance of the lifestyle. It is also quite certain that her stepsister Claire was too involved with Percy Shelley at times. Although Mary accepted his outings on principle, she loved Percy, and there are no indications that she ventured outside of the relationship. In February of 1815, Mary gave birth to a two-month premature baby girl who was not expected to survive and sadly did indeed die shortly after birth during the night. Mary found her appearing to be sleeping so peacefully that she did not wish to wake her. The child was sadly already dead at that point, though Mary would not find out until the next morning the newborn had evidently died of convulsions. The loss of her child sent her into an acute depression. She was haunted by dreams and visions of the baby, of which she later wrote about. Mary appeared to have recovered from her depression by the time summer had arrived. 
One thing that alleviated this was that the couple's financial situation would be bettered after the death of Percy's grandfather. One death had brought misery, while another had brought a better life, for the time being at least. By May 1816, Mary would give birth to another child, a son, William, who would soon be nicknamed Wilmouse. Together with Wilmouse, Percy, and Claire, Mary traveled to Geneva to spend the summer with the poet Lord Byron. It was upon their arrival at Lord Byron's that she first referred to herself as Mrs. Shelley. There they spent their time riding, boating on the lake, and talking late into the night when the weather allowed. She was merely eighteen years old, but had experienced enough grief and torment to fill a lifetime, all of which would influence her immensely when she would sit down to write Frankenstein. Forbidden to read novels of the gothic genre in her youth naturally made them more alluring to her. She would sneak books of the darker genre into the house and would later be greatly inspired by the style and topics the gothic novel explored. After meeting Percy, she began writing more, and from their early days together, he always encouraged her to write. As their time together was filled with uncertainty and turbulence, she sought refuge in writing. Unfortunately, when the couple eloped, a box containing Mary's early writings were lost in their travels through Paris. Undeterred by this, she immediately began writing more, taking out her frustration in a novel called Hate. Back in England again, she would begin writing a historical novel entitled The Life of Louvet. Neither of these novels would be completed as pregnancy and illness limited her time and energy. In the preface to the single-volume, standard novel edition of Frankenstein from 1831, Mary Shelley reveals how it was in Scotland that she began to dabble in writing. It was there, beneath the trees and woodless mountains, that her true passion was born and allowed to cultivate. However, it would be in Geneva, in Lord Byron's villa, that she would begin forming what would eventually become the novel Frankenstein. In the summer of 1816, Geneva was drenched in rain, which meant they often spent days at a time confined inside Lord Byron's villa. Sitting around the fire in the evenings, the party would amuse themselves with ghost stories and other horror tales. Lord Byron proposed one evening that they each write a scary story, with the goal of the competition being to write the best scary story. Mary struggled to come up with an idea and would become increasingly more anxious when asked each morning if she had written or even began on a story. These questions continued for days on end, and each day she would have to admit that she had not yet managed the task. It was on June 16th when Mary came up with an idea concerning a corpse returning to life. She became consumed by the idea, so much so that she had trouble falling asleep. When she finally did manage to drift into sleep, her dreams were plagued with night terrors. In one of the dreams, she saw a pale student kneeling beside a creature that the student had pieced together. The creature stretched out before the student was being reanimated by a powerful engine. 
The dream frightened her terribly, but it also fascinated her. And just like that, she knew what her story would be about. When she began writing the story, she assumed it would be a short story rather than a novel. But with encouragement from Percy, she expanded the tale. The novel would be completed in May of 1817. It has been argued and speculated how large a part Percy played in influencing the writing of the tale. Mary admitted to having been encouraged by him and that the story would never have been written the way it was if it were not for him. According to her, that is the depth to which his influence extended. Despite her statements on the matter, there are differences in the editions of the novel from 1818, 1823, and 1831, something which is attributed to Percy's editing of the novel. As mentioned earlier, the book was originally titled The Modern Prometheus after the ancient Greek myth of Prometheus who gave the sacred fire of Mount Olympus to mankind. Victor Frankenstein's monster also resembles the modern Prometheus in that he signifies liberation from a creator, and so the additional title of Frankenstein was added. Quote, no man chooses evil because it is evil. He only mistakes it for happiness, the good he seeks. End quote. The first edition of the book would be published without identifying the author of the book, but contained a foreword from Percy Shelley, something that insinuated to many that he was the author of the novel. However, Percy Shelley did not take credit for the novel and would tell that it was his wife who did indeed write it. Nevertheless, speculation continues to this day. The book was hailed to be a masterpiece upon its release and William Godwin, Mary's father, would arrange for a second edition of the book to be published. The second edition identified his daughter, Mary Shelley, as the author. Unfortunately, much of Mary Shelley's life after the novel would be plagued by more sorrow and misery. In 1818, she and Percy's second daughter, Clara Everina, would die during a trip to Italy. Nine months after Clara's death, their son, Wilmouse, became gravely ill and succumbed to malaria. For a time, she was able to find comfort in her writing. The birth of their fourth child, Percy Florence, in 1819 also helped lift her spirits. Percy would remain very close to his mother and would live and travel with her for much of her life. Tragedy, however, would not cease just yet. In 1822, after having suffered a miscarriage, she would also lose her husband. The then 29-year-old Percy Shelley was aboard a sailing boat that encountered bad weather. Ten days after the boat had set sail, his body along with others aboard the ill-fated journey would wash up at a beach. Mary Shelley would never remarry after Percy's death and to cope with the loss and grief, as she had dealt with for most of her life, she continued to write. She wanted to write a biography of her late husband, in part as an attempt to console herself from the terrible loss, but she was banned from doing so by her father-in-law, Sir Timothy Shelley, 
She would continue to write throughout her life, accumulating seven novels, two travel narratives, transcribing the poems of Lord Byron and numerous short stories. The last six years of her life would be spent in the relative peace of retirement, and she would live to see her son, Percy Florence, marry on June 22, 1848. After years of battling illness, Mary Shelley died on February 1, 1851, at Chester Square, from what is suspected to have been a brain tumor. She was 53 years old at the time. As is well known, her novel has inspired numerous pieces of writing, movies, stage plays, music, and art. Though she had been taken serious as a writer in her own time, reviewers have often missed or neglected the political commentary in her writing. Furthermore, despite being known as the author of Frankenstein, she would most of all be remembered as the wife of Percy Shelley. It would take far too long 1989 to be exact, before a full-length scholarly biography would be published about Mary Shelley. She would finally achieve the respect and praise she had deserved and been entitled to for nearly two centuries. After so much misery and hardship, let me leave you with some optimism. One last quote from the perseverant Mary Shelley. The beginning is always today. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and will spread the word about the podcast. Once again, I have been your host, Jason Nemoore Hardin. I, along with my fellow creators of this podcast, ask that you please consider making this show easier to produce and more frequent by contributing on our Patreon page. Until next time. Keep turning those pages. House of Words is written and produced by Crystal M. Sanchez. Narrated and written by me, Jason Nemore Harden. And music by Creature Nine and Wood. All rights and ownership belong to Crystal M. Sanchez and Jason Nemore Harden. <laughs>